Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Thursday, uh, July the 13th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is my good friend who's going to introduce himself right now. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fine. And your name, Wes, is? Well, Wes Reimitz. Yes. Pastor Emeritus. Yes, Pastor Emeritus. In the case somebody doesn't know what Emeritus means, it means what? Retired. Retired. I'm double retired. I got Emeritus status through the LCMS, as you know, through the Constitution. In the last parish I served, which was St. Paul's, Havana, they also called me as Pastor Emeritus. Oh, well, that's good. You still talk with Christians, of course. <laughs> I laugh because, yeah, I do. You know, you know what today is, don't you? Yes, Thursday. 165 days to Christmas. What, you count that backwards? Yeah. I went to the bank yesterday. They got this calendar marked at a glance, how many days to the end of the year, and I back it up six, and I came up with 165 days to Christmas. Interesting. Very good. Okay. One of the articles uh, emailed to us is entitled How the Local Church Can Change the Culture. And that's a pretty good discussion. It is done by an individual, William Wolfe, who is a visiting fellow with the Center for Renewing America. And what he's talking about is the local church can change the culture, and he attempts to share with us how to do it. What's the primary purpose of the local church, according to him? According to him, it's to preach the gospel, make disciples, equip its members to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ in this present age. Yes. Uh, one theologian has explained it in what way? Well, ultimately, it's a right ecclesiology touches on God's glory itself. The church is not just an institution founded by Christ. It is also his body. It is reflective of God's own glory. In fact, to put it more precisely, the local church is the gospel made visible. And it's crucial to talk about the conversation in the local church and how it should work to change the culture in a proper understanding. And that is the mission of the universal church. What should the church not be? Well, it shouldn't be a partisan social club, and it should never be reduced to something like uh, a Christian political ally. You know, as we start, I came up with a Bible verse that that, that kind of fits this early part, and that's out of Ephesians chapter 1, in which it says, Christ put all things under his feet and gave him head over all things to church. Christ is the head of the church. So as we discuss this gospel made visible, we're talking about how Christ wants it. 
Yes. So we need to be clear-eyed and honest about the political ramifications and implications of the gospel message. What's the most political statement in all the universe? I had never thought of it this way, but he puts it as declaring Jesus Christ as Lord. Yes. And the reason that's the most political statement is that means that Jesus Christ is really superior over all other ways of thinking. He's not just in your heart. He's just not a personal Lord and Savior. He is public Lord and Savior. And we must admit that the Christian answer to political issues can't be just to preach the gospel. In in recent years, what has he said about many Bible-believing Christians? Well, they often respond to social justice warriors and woke shock troops who carry the co-op message of Christ with their own misguided and Marxist culture changing the efforts. Yes, that's very important that we have found that also in the uh, teachings of some in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, that they think that social ministry is the main task of the church uh, to get rid of racism, uh, to allow people to be gay if that's the way they want to be, or change their sex and this sort of thing. And what this article is saying is, no, that really in talking about the Bible, all 66 books talk about the Lord over everything. Uh, I think that's critical. You know, uh, how can churches work to be the, the salt and the light as we see in Matthew chapter 5 in the broader culture? Here are there are two ways that he talks about the church can change the culture in obedience to the greatest commands, love for God and love for the neighbor. Yes. It's very important to understand what he's talking about here because he says the first step in creating culture-changing Christians is to make Christians more Christ-like. Now, I've been really impressed as we go through the book of Proverbs with Solomon on Wednesday that much of what God has to say has political ramifications because Mm -hmm. it deals with morality. And God makes it very clear that when you go against his morality, you get negative consequences. And that's a lot of what the church is not preaching anymore. So Mm. what is the first step then in making Christians more Christ-like? Well, it's true, and you like this because I hear you mention it many times. Through the regular and faithful preaching of God's Word, the Bible, we hold that the Word of God is a living and active sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, 
the discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, which is from Hebrews chapter 4. Yes, verse 12. So what we need to do is get the church to preach these powerful truths. And the church must preach God's word when the church gathers. And the pastor should not be giving his own opinions. In order to do this, the church should use what is known as, and this is really the main point of the article, to use expository or exegetical preaching. What does that mean? Well, it means to clarify the meaning of provide a commentary on the underlying text. I mean, it's the job of the pastor to, to unpack what what God is saying, what Christ is, is asking us to say, not to come up with our own opinions, but what God has taught. Yes. Now, he uses John MacArthur and his philosophy of preaching. And what does John MacArthur say? Well, it's linked to his own conviction that the most logical response is to inerrant scripture it is the preach expository the preaching in such a way that the meaning of the Bible passage is presented entirely and actually as it was intended by God. He defines such preaching as the proclamation of the truth of God as mediated through the preacher. Now, that's something that I really enjoy doing. Like, for example, when you take a look at the readings assigned for a particular Sunday, I choose a reading that will help explain God's understanding of reality. And your task is to take a Bible verse, use it as the main text, but then explain what God means by it. In other words... Just reading the English often doesn't give you the proper understanding without realizing how Scripture interprets Scripture, what the main languages mean, namely the Greek and the Hebrew, etc. And so I always have a text for my sermon from one of the readings. And one of the ways I like doing it, I try to find a text that the people in the congregation will disagree with because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, for example, recently, I began a sermon by asking this question. Are you free from the law? Uh, put your hand up. Well, nobody put their hand up. And yet in the text, and that was from the book of Romans, it says we are free from the law. And then you had to explain what that freedom meant. It didn't mean that you were free from never having to obey the law, but it meant that when you disobeyed the law, you are freed from the negative consequences of eternal punishment. And that was the point of that sermon. Well, you know, it's that kind of preaching that a congregation learns more and more what to care about the character of God. It shows what he approves of, what he loves, what he hates, what he wants from his, his creatures and worshipers. It's important to realize 
that the character of God cannot be understood by natural man. Corinthians makes it very clear that until a person has received the gift of the Holy Spirit and faith in Jesus, you cannot reasonably get them to believe what the Bible has to say because the Bible is not reasonable. It takes faith, and that doesn't come by your using human reason, but instead by quoting Bible passages. Is that not what Jesus did on the road to Emmaus? He, he uh, opened their minds to the scriptures of all these things that had to happen. He explained to them what, why Christ had to go the way of the cross. And he did that by using Bible verses, not by using reason or logic or trying to help a person understand it, but simply by giving them the word of God. And it says their hearts jumped for joy as they heard this. So when a church pastor preaches the text and explains it, then the church learns more and more about the character of God, which is not knowledgeable to human reason. And then he approves of what God loves and what he hates and what he wants from us as creatures and worshipers. So what does a church have to do to change the culture in a political sense? Well, it needs to know what it's aiming it for. The target could be a world that is full and accurately reflects the character of God. How do we know what it looks like by sitting, by sitting around and using expositional preaching? Kind of reminds me of Ephesians chapter 5, the imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ is with the truth. Then he goes on to explain how we gave up immoral or immature sort of things. Today, many people are disagreeing with what Jesus has to say, even in the Sermon on the Mount, that they don't think they're as big a sinner as Jesus says, because Jesus says you sin not only by deed, but by thought and by word. And that even hating someone or saying something that's not nice about them is a breaking of the fifth commandment because you are hurting and harming your neighbor. That's something the Pharisees really did not understand who were unbelievers. And that's something that the followers of Jesus began to understand. And that does give political situations some real help in understanding how we deal with our neighbor. Remember what the two commandments are. The first one, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. See, that's where we get into politics. To not tell your congregation that certain things are immoral, such as abortion, homosexuality, or trying to change your sex, and many other things, then 
the pastor isn't really doing his job. He's not making Christ Lord of everything. He's only making Christ just Lord of your heart. But no, he's also Lord. So properly, we need to apply scripture to encourage Christians to take action. James declared that, what does he say? Faith without works is dead. Yes. Just think about that for a minute. It's not enough to learn about God's character from good preaching. But we must first then apply what we learn in every area of our lives. So if churches want to help change the culture, how do they do that? Well, they must apply the word of God to all. As we quoted earlier from one of the writers, that it's, God gave us a book, and that book contains 66 books, and it's all 66 of the books that we, that we talk about. We've discussed this before, that, that the Bible is the story about Jesus from beginning to end and all 66 books and how he interacts with his people. Yes. In fact, he quotes Psalm 139, verse 14, and says it's not political for a church to rightly apply it. What does he mean by that? Well, Psalms 139.14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Exactly. And so we need to use a psalm like that to show that abortion in America and other things that are being practiced in an immoral way, that these are not something that the Christian should be advocating, but speaking out against. There are countless examples of ways that the Bible must be rightly applied, from voting well, to... Go ahead. Well, there's that fight to abolish abortion in America, and and never to vote for pro-abortion politics and volunteer crisis censor, the, the abortion becomes one, one way. Yes, um, if a local church wants to change the culture, and it should, it must practically and unapologetically apply God's word to our lives, not just on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday as well. So cultural change comes about how? When we apply all of Christ for all of our lives, is not picking and choosing little bits and pieces like they've done, as you mentioned before. We declare what sin is and what not sin is. We've said this before. The, the middle letter of sin is I. I am at the bottom of this. Exactly. In fact, uh, another email we received was about how true compassion starts with truth. And this particular individual, Andrew Rodriguez, he had an article addressing the gay movement in the church. He ended with this statement. He says, 
True compassion affirms the reality of God's design while offering competent help to those who desire it. Now, a lot of Christians don't believe that we should be talking against individuals who feel that they have a gay lifestyle or are for abortion or want to change their sex. But he gives a great example of a doctor to help us understand why Christians need to speak out against these immoral actions. What, what example does he give? Yeah, I like his example, too. It's an ER doctor encounters a patient with an arm unable to move. The doctor would be perfectly reasonable to assume that the individual has sustained some sort of trauma, such as a stroke or dislocated shoulder or other condition. And the doctor's compassion would be demonstrated by its effort to mitigate the difficulties resulting from the immobile arm and to resolve the cause of immobilization. You see, that's a doctor with compassion. Now, one of the things he offers, he says, the doctor doesn't say, I'm sorry your arm won't move, that's sad, but such is life. No, instead, he would especially be showing compassion if he attempted to convince the patient that some people just simply don't have arms that move and we need to labor to make the rest of society and the church more affirming of arm immobilized people. That's not the task of the doctor. No, the task of the doctor is to heal the patient. And so we're like doctors. When we see someone with a broken life, we don't ignore it, but we share with them in a compassionate way the word of Jesus Christ and concern to them about the cause of their ailment. So I, I thought that was a pretty good understanding of how a pastor or a Christian is like a doctor in being compassionate. I like that too. I, I uh, thought compassion starts with the affirming truth of God designed for us how we are created in his image and uh, how important it is for us to remember that. Yes. It doesn't take the Bible to tell us that arms are meant for moving, eyes are for seeing, etc. But with the extremely rare exception of certain things, we need to trust in God's word. Furthermore, we can learn from general revelation that there is an emotional bond between people. So there is a proper point and use of sexual activity, but it's within the marriage. And of course, what has happened to our marriage laws in the United States from the Supreme Court's point of view? Well, you can just about marry anybody, but generally between same sexes. Yes. We even have in the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America 
male pastors who married other males and they continue to be pastors in that church. And that's what needs to be proclaimed as contrary to the word of God because it's so clear from Genesis on that marriages between a male and a female, not between a male and a male or a female and a female. And therefore, according to Proverbs, there are definite, well, negative consequences that occur when you do not follow the morality of God's word. Exactly. You know, you go back to Genesis one twenty-seven. God created man in his own image, the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. Yes. So, upon the introduction of humanity, we learn two things. Humanity was made in the image of God, which we lost, but of course can be regained through faith in Jesus Christ. That each person is indeed someone that God loves, has compassion for, and reaches out with the message of the gospel. It kind of reminds us of the parables of Jesus, one of them being the parable of the lost sheep. How does that parable talk about God reaching out? He reaches out till he finds it, and he carries the sheep on his shoulders. You don't find that among shepherds. The love of Christ. So these two articles really help us to understand that when you preach Christ and the Bible, all 66 books, you will be getting into political issues where the world is going contrary to the Word of God. And we pray that pastors will follow that. Thanks so very much for helping us with these issues. Tomorrow, listen to us. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.